Greetings, friends, family, and followers. My name is Angela. My name is Pam. And my name is Edwin. And you're listening to episode 84 of Dungeons, Dinings, and Dorks. We're always glad to have everyone back here. If you're new, welcome. If you're returning, thanks again for staying around. We love y'all. Uh, Seems like we have like a lag. A lag? Yeah. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. It's okay, it, then. it felt like it felt like those those you know news news broadcasts where the person just stares for a while mm-hmm. after a question. Just <laughs> there's like a leg. Yeah, that sometimes happens. Uh Pam is of course at her own home studio while we're in the studio of Doom. Yep. <laughs> uh yeah, we all have had some busy weeks since the last wow. episode. Like, holy cow. Uh, Pam, you had something exciting happen. Actually, yeah. So, yesterday, um, we, me and my boyfriend actually went to the Minnesota History Center. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Because I, uh, I, I got to meet one of the author of one of my favorite uh, graphic novels. I think it is the favorite of all graphic the novels I've favorite. read. The favorite. The favorite. That's a big claim. The favorite. It's called The Magic Fish. I don't know if you guys... The did I, I, I might have talked I, about this. Yeah, I think you've mentioned episode. it to us before, but go ahead and, and tell our listeners a little about it. <laughs> so I don't... So yeah, for those that haven't heard of this uh, graphic novel, um, it tells a story of a boy that's trying to communicate uh, with his parents who are um, Vietnamese of trying to explain to them that um, he he's gay um, but because there's there's kind of lost in language uh, uh, there's not really a word for gay so the way that he tried to explain it is through uh fairy tales and what it's like it's like he takes like a western fairy tale and a vietnamese fairy tale and kind of combines the two and it it is very it is very well written kind of like in an essay form like it will begin with a thesis mm-hmm. and then it'll the body will like try to explain it and then there's a a twist a twist in the conclusion um but uh, I really like the storytelling. The uh, the the pictures are just phenomenal. Like his lines are really bold. He he used to do it in ink. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the author's name is Chung Li Nguyen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's um, yeah. He's Vietnamese American. Edwin, uh, I actually I did not know that he was born in the Philippines. Actually, huh. So, Vietnamese. Uh, I mean, he's a Vietnamese. He's Vietnamese descent, but um, there was a time when Vietnam uh, wasn't uh, didn't have you know as op- many opportunities to uh, have jobs. So sure. they immigrated to the Philippines, and that is where he was born. Oh. And I think 
later on he they emigrated to America uh, where he's lived in Minneapolis for I think most of his life oh okay. so um, him up here huh. <laughs> well, I don't, I, yeah so it was so yeah hold on bye okay I'm having like crazy <laughs> problems with everything oh my gosh my my computer's going nuts hold on. I was about to say, uh, am I the one that's lagging? No. No, his, his computer literally oh, was okay. like, like. My computer is. My computer is okay. Just carry on. I'm. <laughs> he tried to do okay. a search and, and his computer threw a temper tantrum. Oh. oh shame on the computer. I know, right? So so yeah, he was talking in the Minnesota History Center, and I've never been to the History Center before. So it was cool oh. going to a new place seeing the author like present talking about how he got into comics the whole process uh of him which is purely by chance he he didn't he wasn't planning on being a comic uh comic uh, illustrator but um there he is and this the magic fish won a couple of awards was nominated for a few more um but yeah i mean what's the likelihood that of you just like seeing your favorite author and just you know talk and pointers that he is local um and just the way that he was talking it was it was a good experience uh i learned a lot about like the steps that he undertook to Create and he and fun fact he did some variant covers for DC and Marvel. Oh, nice! Gonna so have to those up. he had he dabbled in some work with comics, and I was like, oh, I did not know that. So, but yeah, I mean, I really liked his artwork, and just getting that chance of meeting him is kind of like seeing like a local celebrity, and I was like, ah. <laughs> so and that was that. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Edwin. Yes. Stop looking up stuff and no, I, talk. <laughs> what's up? What's I going on with you? I finally got my computer to like like be nice to me. <clears throat> um so good computer. So as you know, Angela and I just you know, we got back from Canada. And here's okay, so this is my first time ever in Canada, Canada. I have taken trips to the Boundary Waters on the Canadian side. In fact, my cousin's, uh, my cousin's husband, uh, late husband's um, family has a cabin up in the Canadian side of the Boundary Waters that I've been to several times. But I've never actually spent quality time in like Canada. Canada, okay, um, which is kind of disappointing just because we don't live that far off from the Canadian border at all, and Canada is one of those fascinating places, um, meaning that it's, I tell people this um, at my work after I came back, and it's familiar yet foreign, well, and while we were there, Edwin described it as a sort of uh, almost like uncanny valley. Yeah. 
it's familiar foreign just because everybody speaks English. The towns look like, you know, like towns here in the United States. Everybody, you know, there's snow. I live in Minnesota, you know, there's snow. But everything is like in, you know, everything is in the metric system, which was getting used to. When we crossed the border, I had to change the car into kilometers instead of miles per hour. That was kind of a change. And everything just seems slow, but yet fast because the is in kilometers. It looks faster than miles per hour. So 110 miles, 110 kilometers is actually 70 miles an hour, but it didn't feel like 70 miles an hour. It really felt like I was going slower than, than what, you know, usual in, a, in an interstate highway. And the other thing is to my dismay, Apparently, Regina doesn't believe in salt. In the the <laughs> city that we spent time in, it snowed while we were there. It was it snowed while we were there, and I was slipping and sliding on the sidewalks over there. Angel and I were like trying to do some promos for for graveyard tapes, and I thought I was gonna like like go to the hospital or go into urgent care because I was slipping and sliding everywhere on their sidewalks. There was no salt, barely any sand, and I'm sort of like, I'm just, I mean, I'm just like, I should have bought Yak Tracks uh, before I left. And here's the thing, right? I went over to their park by myself, and people were running, jogging around their park, like it was nothing. And I'm sitting there like, like, where is the handrail? Because <laughs> it was just so so darn slippery and everybody had yak tracks on it was it was a little bit uh like man these guys are like more hardier than the minnesotans right now so like, eh, snow whatever you know they got like what was it like like six inches of snow and it was uh, nothing for them <laughs> i don't i don't know that it was six inches it was but... quite a bit more than i well, bargained for uh, yeah, but we, <laughs> we weren't sure if it was going to snow at all or not. Yeah. So. But, I mean, it was, you know, and, the funny, and here's the thing. All the radio stations were reminding people to put on their winter tires. Put on your winter tires, put on your winter tires. And then they were talking about, like, how all the garage, the tire garages were full because people were trying to get their winter tires on. And, and, and everything was <laughs> behind schedule because of... Uh, well, supply chain and also strikers and all that. Yeah, which we saw, we saw a, a, a strike. <laughs> we saw a company strike just south of, what was it, south of Winnipeg? It drove through a town I, and there were like people with signs. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know exactly what they were striking about, but I must admit, watching par Canadian Parliament is a spectator sport. Ed, Edwin watched a, quite a bit of Canadian Parliament. Canadian it was... Parliament it is entertaining. It makes <laughs> ours look pretty ho hum. Like, I mean, his favorite part was when they started hurling actual insults at each other. Yeah, it was insane. It was like a reality television show, and like <laughs> the prime, like Tristan Trudeau was just sitting there, like taking it, and then like, and like flinging back other, you know, like insults at them. 
the, apparently <laughs> are some insults that are not permitted. You can intelli- you can insult someone's intelligence, like till you're blue in the face. But apparently, you cannot uh, you cannot insult their courage or something like something that. Something like that. It's. It's it is quite it is quite a well was you, our our friend yeah. Aiden was told us that watching United States Congress is like a spectator sport too for them. It's like it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is fun. Oh, oh, I know what the insult was. Someone called one of the parliament people called another cowardly, and that was apparently not allowed. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently calling someone hmm. cowardly is is not permitted. I did have my poutine oh, yes. up there, and I had something called snow beef, which I gotta tell you, it was actually pretty excellent. I was trying to find like the quintessential Canadian dish. <laughs> yeah, Aiden helped with that. Yeah, Aiden helped with that. <laughs> I was, I was, I was uh, quite pleasantly surprised. It was very good, and um, there are certain. I mean. I mean, there were certain things that, like, really... First of all, what was it like? Chinese buffet is definitely a thing over there. <laughs> right? It's sort of dying here, in a way. At least in Minnesota it is. But over there, that Chinese buffet across the street from our... Across the parking lot from our hotel, busy all the freaking time. I don't know. I was actually thinking about going there just to see what they're... They were uh, serving. See, anything special because it, it was just always busy. Every time I like peered across like our, our hotel window and I saw the the Chinese restaurant, the parking lot was always full. <laughs> um, and the other thing is they have a Jolly Bee. I'm very jealous about we, that. Yeah, we yeah. did eat a Jolly Bee. <laughs> they have a Jolly Bee. So, for so, those of you who don't know my 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 issue with Jolly Bee. It's just the fact that they don't have one here in Minnesota. Yeah, that's my biggest issue with Jollibee. And Regina yeah, but, has it. But Eben and I are going <laughs> to hopefully change that. I am so close to opening up a franchise. <laughs> I just need backers. <laughs> yep. Plenty there of there is enough, I think. There should be enough. Yeah. Just, just waiting. Just, but, just yeah, the the wedding we were there for it was it was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. The the bride looked wonderful. Yeah. The groom was looked happy as could be. Uh, I finally found out what the heck chompies were. That was fun. <laughs> I may have made a bunch of little crochet uh, robot dinosaurs to hide around the wedding. The groom was thrilled. <laughs> uh, I had a couple of friends in on it with me so yeah oh by the way the whole a thing is a thing there are a bunch of people who i encountered especially in the parking lot that actually said a it's just a yeah like one of those like hey you can get out a i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) it's a thing um yeah, so it was a good trip. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was being, it's sim- it felt very familiar, but yet it was foreign. Yeah, we That's did, my... we did go and see the world's largest moose. Oh, yeah. Uh, so apparently Norway. Nils, Nils, 
Oh, I I told Nils that we went to see it. Yeah. Because Caitlin was like, tell Nils that you saw this. Get a picture. Show Nils. Uh, so yeah, I got a picture with the world's largest moose and sent it to Nils, our Norwegian friend. Yep. And he was like, it's just because you changed the antlers. Ours is better. Ours is shiny. <laughs> I, I saw a picture of their shiny crow moose. I thought it was going to cause accidents. <laughs> because all that reflection, especially if the sun hits it right, it could be bad. <laughs> yeah, apparently there is a large budget just to keep it clean. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we also went to, what was that, that tunnel thing? That was great. Which place? That tunnel thing. We went to Moose Oh, yeah, the, the... the Moose Jaw Tunnels. Yeah. That was cool. Tunnels of Moose Jaw. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. I I did get spooked at one point just because it's kind of. Oh, there was a gunshots, wasn't it? Well, no, the one of the gates just suddenly closed. Oh yeah. Like, it's it's a little bit interactive. They uh, a little bit um, immersive. So they try to get you into the atmosphere of what the tunnels would have been like yeah. at a sort at a particular point in time. And the speakeasy so, was looked cool. It did. That was like, man, I'd hang out here. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was an excellent trip. Um, anybody who's out to Mucha, I would suggest to go there um, to the to the tunnels. It's uh, it's yep. something that uh, it it kind of looks like a tourist trap in in its face, but it definitely is not a tourist trap. It is something to, to experience. Yeah, it's it's a historic thing. Uh, what was the one that we went on? What was the tour called? It was, I forgot. It was the it was the gangster one. Yeah. It was the mob one. Yeah, based on based on on uh, unconfirmed accounts that Al Capone used to spend time in Moose Jaw. In Moose Jaw, and it was his like large distillery because apparently the Sioux line went all the way out there and brought booze back into the United States. So yeah, the the bootlegging like, industry was. Yeah. Very, very, was very a, established in yeah, this job. It was a thing. Gotcha. So that was a yeah, it was a fun trip. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Angela, what are you up to so, besides crocheting? <laughs> yes, I have my crochet in my hands as usual, but uh, I got some new plants. My plants are homicidal, and it makes me so happy. Oh yeah. So, Explain, please. <laughs> I decided I'm going to start keeping some carnivorous plants. I got three varieties and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, but I've been seeing videos of these carnivorous plants. I'm like, oh man, that that would be so cool. It, it would be a great way to control the pests that we usually have in the house. Man, I want, I want carnivorous plants. So I found... Um, we mean, what we mean by pests is like the house fly. We're, house we flies, fruit flies. Yeah, we don't have ants. like cockroaches or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm talking. I'm talking the little ones that manage to get in the house sometimes. Like yeah, the occasional mosquito, yeah. that sort of thing. So, so I found a shop online. Let me see if I can find the name of it because they have a really good. So variety. you got. So you got the Venus flytrap. I no. did not. I did not. Uh, I that's one that it. I like 
From what I saw, it actually takes a lot more care and attention than most people realize. And mm. like, I, it has a dormant period. And apparently if you get it really late in the season, it's, it's very difficult to keep it alive. So you gotta get it like in, like in April? Yeah, if, if you get it at, if you get it in the spring, it's a lot easier to take care of. Yeah. Because if you're getting it like late in the fall, it's usually supposed to be going into a dormant period, but you don't know if the, the growers had it like go in dorm into dormancy you don't know if they had it in a dormancy period before they sent it or if if they prolonged its its regular growth just to make sure that it would be green to go into the stores you don't know what kind of state they were in before they got shipped out so it's kind of up in the air as to whether that plant actually needs to go dormant or if it would be better for it to not go into dormancy Hmm. Just because, oh, okay. Yeah, because apparently Venus flytraps are native to Carolina and North Carolina. I looked it up. They're native to Carolina and North Carolina. And so funny they... enough, that place over in Regina had one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's what we just. I think this is how it like started with carnivorous plants because we saw it no, in it, Canada. It it actually didn't. I I've been seeing <laughs> random videos of of carnivorous plants and just like, oh man, that's so cool. Yeah. But, uh, so, so yeah, get, I... I want to get a Venus flytrap. I'm just going to make I'll, it sit outside. I'll, I will be ordering one in the spring. Yeah. I'll just I'll just keep it outside so I can feed. But uh, <laughs> the place that I ordered my plants from is called uh, Rainbow Carnivorous Plants, LLC. And I ordered three different kinds. We'll see how well I do with them. I just... I got some of the more basic varieties so it, it's so it wouldn't cost as much and also it wouldn't be quite as big of a ding if if I didn't care as well for them as they need but the varieties that I got I got a uh oh gosh butterwort yeah butterwort <laughs> which it's like it generally grows really flat. Its leaves are like flypaper, and after it's caught a bunch of, of flies and various insects on it, new leaves will grow out of the center to cover up the old leaves. So, fruit oh, flies cool. are, yeah, the fruit flies are, are definitely going to catch on that. I also got one that's, I believe, a Cape Sundew, uh, which it the Cape Sundew looks really kind of alien. It does look alien. And and it's called a sundew because like at at the end of these little hairs there's these little droplets of a kind of sap. Um so when when an insect lands on these little hair things, it just curls around the insect. It basically suffocates them and eats them that way. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. okay. Uh, the last one I got is called a bladderwort. And that one more has its traps underground, uh, and it eats the microscopic insects that tend to live in the dirt. And that's the one that's oh, like okay. that's like swampy, right? Oh yeah, that like, that one loves swampy conditions. They all yeah. actually really like something 
a little on the swampy side, but yeah. that one definitely wants to be soggy all the time. It's the Carolinas. That one, no, I, where is the bladderwort from? I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, Florida? Hey, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. <laughs> I've got to find my order. It's quite interesting. I was, I was often wondering how long it's going to take for you guys to get into those carnivorous plants. Because I, I know that y'all like like your gardens. And, yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, in essence, these plants are are similar to as pets because you gotta feed them. <laughs> yeah, gotta take care of them. Yeah, you can well, feed you some have, of yeah, them fish food actually. Yeah, it's just to feed it fish food, blood worms. Oh, okay. Like a freaking fish. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so hmm. the bladderwort okay. is native to Asia and Australia. Oh. Oh, that explains everything. Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And let's see. The... Where is Cape Sundew from? Tell me where it's from. 90% of animals in Australia will you know, kill you. You guys, I think you guys should invest in like a, like, uh, like a time, like a camera to just uh, record through throughout long periods of time. At some point, just I so will. that you could witness them, just so that you could witness them feeding. Uh, At some point, I will. Like, <laughs> yeah. I Sorry, mean, we got dead. We, we can like go find. What was it like? You can find like. I'm not finding where the Cape Sundew is from. What but... do you call it? Like you, you can buy it in like a PetSmart or whatever. Where, um, it's like that food they they feed to lizards. They're like. Like flies? Oh, wingless fruit flies. <laughs> yeah, wingless fruit yeah. flies. Yeah, those, those things. Yeah, those things you can definitely feed to them. The fish will love them too. Oh, okay. I had a bottle of them for a little bit. Yeah. The so. fish It did is love quite them. interesting. I do know that, like, watching carnivorous plants feed, it's a, it's a, it's another type of ASMR that you can find on YouTube. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah, because lately I, 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 because those are really fascinating, like all these carnivorous plants. Yeah. Um, well, I know another friend that's that's into them, and yeah. Well, as soon as these carnivorous plants start telling us feed me, then it's going <laughs> away. See, that's that's <laughs> part of why I don't have a Venus flytrap yet, so they don't. That's the reason why you don't feed them human blood. Even if they say, oh, this is so tasty. No. Say no. No. Just say no. There's a, there's your there's your uh, public service announcement for they. If your plant says, feed me human blood, just say no. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. They are, in fact, alien. <laughs> Yes, and they don't belong in this world. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be exciting. I do want a uh, Venus flytrap this spring. If we're gonna have, if we're gonna have plants that eat, eat meat, unlike my, unlike my, uh, my character in D&D, &D, <laughs> um, yeah. We're gonna <laughs> Venus flytrap. Really, dearie, you really should eat something with more protein. Nope. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so what else is going on here? Um, 
Well, I see some news about Baldur's Gate 3 on yep. our list. Yep. That is the purpose of this meeting, ladies and gentlemen, for a nationwide campaign by you to demand by law such compulsory education. So, when was the last time you bought a physical copy of a game? Like, you went to the store, you bought the game from, you know, like a, you know, that came in a box. And you opened it up, plugged it in to play on a console. When was the last time you guys did that? Uh, gosh, it's been a while. Years ago, maybe. Years? Do you remember what game that yeah. was? No, because I it's been a while since Animal I Crossing. I think we got a physical cross a physical copy of Animal Crossing, didn't we? I don't think so. Uh, I think we got a physical copy the, of Well the newest The newest Animal Crossing was all digital, I think. Yeah. Is it? I think so. I'm not quite sure. But I know we have like a physical copy of like um was a Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah, we got a physical copy of that. Um, the reason why I talk about this is because apparently Baldur's Gate 3 Deluxe Edition is going to be a physical copy with discs. <laughs> now, Baldur's Gate 3 is, how big is it? It's like 100 gigabytes. It's huge. It's a it's big massive. game. So, apparently, that is the... That's the deluxe edition. It comes with the Baldur's Gate 3 game discs and box, original soundtrack on three CDs, cloth world map. That kind of intrigues me. Mm. Uh, two fabric patches, 32 stickers, including a fun intellect devourer sticker. <laughs> I don't mind reading certain of that. And a Baldur's Gate 3 poster. And. It is, it's the collect, it's the deluxe collector's thing, I guess. It's the collector's release ball to get three. Um, so it's going to be expensive. Probably. I don't see a retail price for it, but. Um, When's it supposed to be released? It's going to be released. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's going to be series, it's, it's going to come out for. PC, PlayStation 5, Xbox, Series X, Q1 of 2024, so sometime early next year. It'll cost $80. Oh, wow. So, doesn't seem that expensive, actually, for... Uh, no, no, um, that's actually... Honestly, there, there have been collector's editions that have come Jeez. out for more that came with less. Jeez, I might just buy it for... Not, right. Just for the, like... Yes, yes, it. yes, Edwin, yes. I have a birthday coming up. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> in February. That's in Q1, right? <laughs> yeah, hint, that's, hint. A, that's, in, that's, in, that's in Q1. Um, so, anyways, so that's a little bit of news there. They're planning on doing that. I have been playing Baller's Gate 3 again, and I might have to go back to a save because I do not like how my character is, like, Muggsy is not... Is going is turning to the dark side, and I don't like it. Stop it, Mikey! <laughs> All for the sake of knowledge. Yes. So I might have to go back to a previous save, which is annoying. <laughs> but apparently, I clicked on something, and all of a sudden, he can read minds, and it's freaked out 
the the rest of the party. And I'm not liking it where it's going. Anyways, <laughs> that's the. Did you feed the mind flayer? I think so. I, think I may have done that inadvertently. Uh, so, it's how far? How far have you gone in Baldur's Gate? I'm not that. I'm not that far. I'm in the. I'm in the. The uh, the goblin camp, which is still in Act One, and I'm trying to find a dude mm. who is supposed to like help me cure whatever worm I have in my head. This might be spoilers. <laughs> um, now he realizes yeah so I'm supposed to find this guy and then apparently like an entire group of people are getting threatened to kick, be kicked out of uh, out of this one town so I have to figure that whole thing out it's it is uh, <laughs> I keep dying because I keep here's, <laughs> here's the thing so Apparently, even though it's very enticing to have a wizard put on male armor, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is that if you put on armor that isn't in your class, you don't get to be your class. And it will prevent a wizard from actually doing spells. Which I found out the hard way and my entire party died. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea. I was like, "Ooh, this gives me a better AC. I'm gonna use it." No, no, you stick to your simple boots, your guard, your your robes, because anything else will prevent you from doing spell casting. It's it's kind of bad. Wizards are very sensitive. They need to keep their shoulders light so that they can concentrate. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. I was just trying things. Uh, <laughs> so, well, now you know. The yeah, more you know. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be. It's it's a very interesting game. I finally started playing it a little bit more just because I've been I've been uh, lacking in the uh, the video game world. So <laughs> I started playing this. Well, again. at least you are still active in it. You know, it's kind of hard when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Which oh, I I, I didn't should, play I any should video just make games. A little, yeah, what's up? I should make a little announcement. I found the charger to my 3ds. <laughs> Yay! You found the charger to your 3ds. Yes, and now are you still carrying your 3ds? Are you bringing it to a school? Yes. Are you still getting hits? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> what? Why I didn't think no. so. <laughs> I thought you were to bring it around and see if you can get any hit, hits with the... Uh, I forgot what that's called, the Wii. You know, that... Oh, the... the. Yeah. You, you know when, Is it when the you're... Camp? No, when, like, two DSs, no. like, like, ping each other, and then they no. show up on your thing so you can play, mm. like, games together? I, sa- I said I found the charger for it. I didn't say I brought it anywhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I plugged it in and then I just completely forgot I have it. I had no idea people cause... are still playing Pokemon <laughs> Go, but well, I still play I'm Pokemon also, Go sometimes. Like I'm also I am I'm also in the minority. I still play Ingress. Crying out. <laughs> hey, there's a lot. There's a lot of Ingress players. There are there are still Ingress players. Yes, and my college is a portal. 
Of course nice. it is. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it I is. Remember, anyway, all right. <laughs> I just still remember playing. Um, I still remember playing Pokemon Go, and I was in school playing Pokemon Go. Um, when I was still in IT school, and the there were gyms there, and you could you saw it over time turn from blue to red to, to yellow. <laughs> you know, like, like, <laughs> like. Maybe like fifteen times in a single hour. Hmm. Like there was always some kind of battle going on. It was there's yeah. that many students kind of bored out of their mind. <laughs> well, yeah, so they're sitting there in a in a, in a lecture. <laughs> like, uh. Anyway, all right. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, oh, there's there's more news. It's yeah, like one more news. This one is not a happy news. Uh oh. Where's some music? Hold on. Do I get music? Hold on. <laughs> hold on. I don't want to hold on. I want to whine. Here you go. Gonna whine about it. Okay, I know okay. what's going on. All right. There. There was something. That came up about NaNoWriMo. Okay, what's NaNoWriMo, first of all? Uh, NaNoWriMo, uh, National Novel Writing Month. Ooh. Uh, there's an organization for NaNoWriMo. They have a website. They have forums. And apparently... Um, apparently, the forums... Yeah, the board of directors for NaNoWriMo had to step in personally. What happened? Apparently, there were some moderators who were who were taking advantage of advantage of the ability to to uh, contact some writers directly, and they were doing not so great stuff with it. And it took a very long time for the board of directors to even acknowledge that these things were going on. And apparently, it has been advised that anybody who's been on NaNoWriMo, uh, if they're actively using it, or if they're using the forums, they are being told to to change their passwords. Oh, they got hacked. No, this was actually uh -oh. from this was actually from the inside where things were things went bad. It was Ooh. yeah, uh -oh. yeah. So some someone on the inside was doing things like that, and on the forums, uh, either either the forum moderators were had had more information than they should have had or something but yeah it it's it is a mess over there right now and yeah so pam is changing her password as we speak i think i nope. i don't take a nanowrimo <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah but so. yeah so people who don't go to the forums probably are okay but probably safer to change passwords anyway i didn't know there were forums yeah yeah yeah, there there are forums, but yeah, I do, I would rather not discuss exactly what the what they were doing, but it was bad. It was bad, and it was predatory, and that's not good. Yeah, so see see, this is the reason why we can't have nice things. Exactly. But yeah, so there's always that one person, 
ruins it, it for the rest of it us. It was not just mm-hmm. one person either. Yep. It's always that one group that ruins yeah. it for the rest of us. Yeah, so, yeah, like the, the NaNoWriMo organization had to step in. Like, the, they had to take the reins of moderating and, and all that for themselves instead of their community moderators and all oh, that. Geez. So. Yeah, and apparently it took a really long time Love. for them to even acknowledge that it was happening. Like there, there was a lot of denial at first. Uh, it, it's a mess. So of course there's denial. Nobody wants to fess up. Yeah. <laughs> um. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, stay safe. Well, that's too bad. I mean, I never really participated in NaNoWriMo. It's probably, it's during November, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never really participated in NaNoWriMo. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, I can't be like made to sit down and write like five thousand words of a similar, thing. It's it's the writer version of Inktober. Yeah, Inktober is the other one. It's like it just feels like Inktober is the one geared for artists. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like homework. After. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's more. It's more intended to be kind of a challenge to get you started sure. on doing a thing that you've always wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a shame when a community has that happen. And so, yeah, just. There's so much stuff going on in November. You got NaNoWriMo. You got uh, Movember. Movember. And then you got <laughs> freaking Thanksgiving. And if you're of that. If you're that cultural persuasion, you got like all these holidays, you know, like, like, um, what is that? The Day of the Dead, All Saints Day, and all this other stuff. And then you've got Native American Culture Month, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Which brings us to our next topic. (laughs) Yes. How do you like my segue? Nice, nice. So, we're gonna play this. But regardless of the style or type of restaurant, they all have one thing in common, and that is the serving of food. It's still fresh, but I'll take only what I need. They've gotta last. So, what we did for our, uh, for this episode's food adventure is that since it is native american culture month i hope i'm getting that right mm-hmm. <laughs> um i think that's right yeah and, right and also indigenous to people's month yeah and also to acknowledge the the role that the native peoples had in in thanksgiving yeah, Thanksgiving yes. because like they they really should be yeah. acknowledged more. Because I don't think, um, I don't think um, sweet potatoes with marshmallows existed <laughs> back in the day. Um, was a Jello? Jello salad definitely. Jello not. salad Jello definitely not on that table, <laughs> right? And pecan pie. Well, you never maybe. know. Maybe. Maybe. I but don't know. Who knows? But anyway, <laughs> certainly not funeral potatoes. Definitely not funeral potatoes. Or green bean casserole. Yes. Definitely none of those. Or shaved, gel- carrot shaved. 
Well, like Jello carrot, with carrot shavings? Yeah, Jello and carrot shavings. <laughs> yeah, that, that's its own unique thing. Yes. Anyway, yes. so our challenge was to find and try out some uh, indigenous Native American recipes. And so, yeah, how, how did everybody do on that? Did you find something? Yeah, it was actually quite quite interesting because i went through a bunch of like i went through like a, a rabbit hole so but before we get oh, i thought you were gonna do be from yeah that book i was going to but oh. i heard oh. it was sort of like a modern take on certain things like a like in the, um. like it so i was just like eh, i kind of want to stick traditional like as as, okay. as historical as i could you know, and I went through like my my usual like my usual suspects of resources like Townsend's, right? Um, tasting mm, history. Okay. You know, those are my usual suspects when it comes to like historical foods, right? And what I came up with, and apparently this is like sort of like the like the Filipino adobo of the indigenous of the First Nations. <laughs> because oh, apparently apparently they have like their own version of it and it's called the three sisters soup or the three sisters i i ran into that recipe yeah and <laughs> how did that go it seems like the Na navajo nation has like their their way of doing things the sioux indian tribes have their own way the iroquois th this is like everywhere in the first nations apparently as far as i can gather um mm -hmm. and what it is is it's the three sisters so it is what's known as like it's like a it's a it's a gardening or horticultural me, um, methodology that they the you know, first nations of i don't know exactly where it started but it did definitely start like pre-columbian so we're talking about pre-1492 right hence okay. pre-columbian where um the native uh the native um uh vegetables were planted sort of together in sort of like in this like teepee fashion. <clears throat> so you would have the corn stalk, right? So we had corn. That stalk would grow, but corn itself takes away all the nitrogen out of the soil, right? So in order for it to get more nitrogen in the soil, they would plant beans. Beans puts nitrogen in the soil. So the bean stalk would wrap itself around the stalk of the corn all the way out, right? And next to that would be a squash. Um, and the squash would, would sort of fan out to cover the ground so there's no weeds. And mm -hmm. yeah, okay. so there's sort of, there's like a mutual balance and benefits of these three sisters, the three sister crops. And they've been doing this for like hundreds, probably like hundreds and thousands of years, I want to say, right? Like it's definitely centuries upon it's centuries. Centuries upon centuries upon centuries. And the three yeah. sisters soup is one of those things where that's why there's, you know, like First Nations have like their own versions of it. So I picked sort of like the, the ones around here in Minnesota where um like the Sioux like the Sioux community version of this. And um 
it went well. Like it's, I could see how when I was making it, you could make this at a campsite. You could make this like open flame, like in a, in a, in a fire, you know, with a, with an earthen pot and you just put it, you know, put it near the fire on top of the fire and you put all your ingredients in it. Right. Yeah. Cool. And you, and you let it go. And sometimes, and what I, what I found out was that they would sometimes, they would put deer meat or bear meat. Okay. And apparently bear meat's a thing. Bear meat is apparently it's like a fine beef. One, one, you know, one YouTuber said. <laughs> so they would. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they would put beef in there. They would put like onions and stuff like that. And sometimes like, like, um, um, uh, wild rice, you know, that sort of thing. It would just create the sort of stew. It was like tomatoes would be in there. And it would just create this like stew. And what I found out was that like Native American uh, cuisine is not very, it's not like, it's not like how we would say seasoned in the, you know, in like Western European cultures, right? In fact, it's not really that season. So, like one of them, like there's this one, like he, she has got like a PhD in in indigenous cooking, um, and they were she was stressing that you sort of have to play around with it for your own taste. But traditionally, there wouldn't be really any salt in it. Yeah, you know? so I put a little salt and oh, pepper because okay. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to bland out the food. Um, but anyways. <laughs> I made this and it stewed for like three hours, you know, in the closest thing I could find for, a, for, a, you know, earthenware, which is my cast iron pot. I could smell it. It smelled so good. Yeah. It's, mm. and it was, yeah, I, it took a while to make it, which I can see how it would take a long time to make it because I can't imagine like venison or bear meat to be you know to be very um like i can imagine to be very tough to eat right so one of the things that lightler is that they sort of like already had this sort of like slow cooker low and slow kind of thing down you know in their in their cooking um their you know their cooking techniques and that's exactly what I did. I just like let it sit there and simmer for like three or four hours and just let it go. And it came into like, like everything just sort of like melded to each other and everything. And then, and I don't know, Angela, what did you think of the three sisters soup? It was, you taste it? it was really, really good. Like, I, like, they're, the ingredients really played well off of each other. So, yeah, it really didn't need the the spices that we would typically need typically use in a dish because like the there was the tomatoes providing their flavor profile and the sweetness and um the squash you could really taste the squash i used like a butternut squash because that was what i had yeah so there was that um and then the the meat laid lent its savoriness uh, there was a lot of savory and and just light sweetness 
and it was it was really good really filling very satisfying yeah that was the thing that surprised me how filling it was like i had like and this might be my drugs talking but um the prescription yeah my prescription drugs <laughs> um but it was filling like i'm talking about like i only had like one bowl not even maybe like three quarters of a bowl and i was already filled that was a surprising thing because i think it's just because of the beans that was in there the beef like everything Probably. itself was just so it was just so hearty right and this is supposed to be like a fall winter soup right during harvest season so i can see you know this is like you can fill a huge crowd with this <laughs> like pretty pretty well so nice it, it was it was really good very satisfying i yeah. i enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to the leftovers yeah we have a lot of leftovers again it'll feed a crowd <laughs> so so yeah so on a d20 i'd probably give that one a nice 17. okay sweet <laughs> So Angela, what did what did you mean? Oh, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna give you. Oh, do you want me to give him one? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. I just I, I don't, what did I don't you feel think of... right like criticizing my own food. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's a it's a recipe that you were yeah. following. So actually, I didn't really follow a single recipe. That was the thing. The the recipe was basically here are the ingredients, and that was it. Like this, is what makes it up, you know. It was about as it sounds was, like a great British baking show, yeah, like blind challenge. It was. <laughs> it was like it was kind of one of those things where where they gave you like the the requirements for it, but they never really told you how to make it step by step. It was almost like following a like an eighteenth century cook like cooking recipe. Where it's like a dash of this. Maybe a little you know you know, like a like half of this. And that sort of thing. And it was, they didn't really sh tell you, but it said just to slow cook it until tender, right? And I don't know, was it simmer until tender? And I don't know how long that was. So I gave it like an hour and a half. <laughs> you know, gave it a little bit more time. It was like that. It wasn't really like boom, 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 boom. Like, you know. But it, it was something that you hadn't fixed before. I've so. never fixed it before. Yeah. So, so. It so took my techniques in my you. head. Yeah, it took my techniques and you know, like the, what the techniques that I know as a, you know, as you know, as a person who cooks, right? But I sort of had to interpret it like, okay, I think they're just wanting me to like simmer this for a while until it's tender. Okay, simmer it, you know, like I'm using this meat, so it's gonna take at least like three hours to do it. So, but but <laughs> overall, the results. Yeah, you don't. You still don't want to give it. A I would say. I would say. I think I would give it a seventeen too, just because. It's just because like. I want it to be a little bit more soupy than I made it, because right, it's sort of a stew, mm -hmm. right? So you know, add more chicken broth or chicken stock. Call for chicken stock. Probably add a little bit more of that than. But is is one that would be definitely worthwhile to make again? Yeah. Definitely. It's one of those foods where you can just like freeze it and like have it for later. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely good. 
So, Angela, what did you make? All right. I, I went and made a side dish. Uh... And what it's called, I gotta, I gotta look to see if I can find the correct name of the recipe so I describe it right. The one that I used was mashed maple butternut squash. Ooh, that sounds yummy. Doesn't it though? So, this one's probably a little more contemporary than some of them, but it is based on on a traditional dish. Uh, the maple part, like I looked at a couple different recipes and the maple is a traditional part of it um but yeah it's it uh it does include a couple of spices a little bit of allspice um it calls for maize but i didn't have any so uh i i did a little research and it said that uh cloves or more allspice would work so i opted for cloves uh it also called for a little bit of cinnamon and maple syrup and a little butter a little bit of butter um but there were other options for for oils to use in that but yeah it was it you kind of turn it into a mash you know pulverize it puree and all that um i don't have as much of a story to tell about this one as edwin did <laughs> but uh the end result like it, it did take it did take a little bit of work to get the the steamed bits of of squash peeled because it said to peel it after you cook it um it, that did take a little while and i did ultimately have to heat it up on the stove a little again a little again after i made it up but yeah i actually really liked it it was it was sweet but not overly sweet as like something that I would, I, 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 it tastes very much to me like something that should be at a Thanksgiving table. It is, it's, it's sweet, but not overly sweet. It has a little bit of that, that sweet potato kind of vibe to it without being actual sweet potatoes. <laughs> it was good. Right, so, I mean, so how would you rate it? Um, that one, I would probably give that one a 17 as well. Um, it, the recipe did say that it pairs well with roast poultry. Uh, we did not have roast, roast poultry to put with it, but. (laughs) We had leftover. Leftover fried chicken. Yeah, leftover Popeyes. That counts. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) But, but yeah, on, on its own, yeah, I, I would give it. I would give it a 17. It, it was a good recipe and definitely worth trying again. Yeah. It definitely is one of those things. It was a side. Most definitely. Yeah. Like you would put it. But it would also, I think it would also make a good, like, like a, yeah, like a, like a roast, yeah, like a roast poultry, like, like, like dressing or a, or a, or a sauce on top of it. Yeah. Just, it. just probably thin it out a little and then it's a sauce or a soup. Yeah. Because so, it's very tasty. So yeah, I would I would say I think I would say I would give it right now probably a sixteen. I kind of want to s- taste it with other things just to just to see taste what the it in its ele- taste it in its element. Yeah, too. try to taste it like in terms of like what like you know like side dishes are are great and everything, but they're always complemented by whatever you have also in a dish. Mm-hmm. So I would like to taste that. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Pam. How did your adventure go? Lag. Oh. Lag. Lag. Yep. Lag. Yep. Bye. Yep. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping that this is a better connection. Okay. I assume that you guys were asking what dish I yes. was doing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let me know if let me know if mine breaks up. I could record an audacity or something and hope that that works. You're good um, right now, so. So. So I, I'm not as privy as, you know, to cooking as both of you were. So I chose a simple side dish. <laughs> um, this recipe is actually by Sean, uh, what's his name? Sean Sherman, the Sean founder Sherman. of the sous chef. Oh, yes. Sh Sean. Yeah. His, his, yeah. Uh, his book. Yeah. Um, this one actually is from the New York Times. Um, yeah. As a rice lover, I chose this. Um, it's wild rice and berries with hopped rice. Interesting. I've had now, that before. I don't know. Have either of you had hopped rice before? Yes, I have that. There was... It's kind of funny you say that. It's because the, um, I used to know a guy that was like... Every time we went to like a CSFA thing, right? He would have this. Yeah. It was like his way he was known for. And and he told me it was like a it was like a like a like a Native American dish that he learned during like one of his studies or whatever. And I think I had this before, but it could taste different because it came from the sous chef. So, so I've had pot uh, rice. I mean it, I mean it's it's very simple. It's yeah. just basically wild rice, yep. your choice of berries, dried berries, maple syrup, hazelnuts, and hazelnut oil. I didn't know hazelnut oil was a thing. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. It took me a while. Well, I tried looking for hazelnut oil. There weren't any in stock at the store that I was in. I actually went to two stores. Neither of them had haz hazelnut oil, so I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have to find uh, something on the Amazon to replace it." <laughs> oh, well, um, I was kind of rushed. Oh, but uh, so also I just substituted it with peanut oil. Okay. I mean, it's the same <laughs> nutty flavor, and it's not meant to use for cooking. Sure. It's meant to just uh, like a drizzle. Yeah, it's like a finisher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I I follow the it's a simple recipe, just four steps. Um if so I would have to say alone it's 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 simple, a bit bland, but I think that it would be a great like interesting addition to your typical Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. Because if you combine it with meat it actually works perfectly like like like, like what you said a side dish is usually used to complement something. something yeah and this one is does complement um because i had it actually with roast chicken it actually does work because the nuttiness of it and the crunchiness of the popped rice which by the way that was my first time popping rice i did not 
know yeah. that this was a thing. Yeah. But I, but it's cool because it's just basically you use a skill and then it literally pops yep. right in front of you. Yep. It's so it's like cool. popcorn. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it it also provides extra crunch. Yep. Um. And the hazelnuts, uh, the uh, the roasted hazelnuts actually does help out bring the nuttiness to the dish. Um. I mean, I, I, Matt, I, I made it, made some for my boyfriend, Matt, and he says that he liked it. Um, nice. But as I said, I think, like, by itself, you would think that this is the most bland dish ever, <laughs> but with actual, like, meat or something, it, it works really well. And that's, and I think that this would be a great Thanksgiving yeah. uh, side. Well, Excellent. yeah, um, I mean, I just, that makes me one think of like, gosh, that just made me think of like, I actually liked it. The one that I tasted, it was actually really good. Um, I don't know if there was like, like a dressing that this guy put on just for like the a berry dressing besides like a sort of like a, mm -hmm. like a sweet, like, like a berry vinaigrette or something like that, you know, mm, but it had yum. like. Yeah, it was really excellent, and um, I haven't tried again. I haven't tasted this one just because it's coming from uh, from the sous chef. But um, that's the thing that I wanted to talk about was that was that Native American cooking, right? Is simple. Like it doesn't. It's not like it's not like cooking French, where like you really have to like master techniques and stuff like that, you know, or else you're gonna ruin the dish kind of thing. It was made yeah. for, like, it's made, I mean, it was made for, like, traveling and, you know, like, making a fire, putting a pot and stuff like that, right? There's not right. really, like, a, like, you don't need, like, special tools or anything to make it. And I think that's, like, the, to me, that's, like, the, sort of, like, the value in it. Like, it's, like, the... The pure flavor of the ingredients and it's not like you're not trying to mask anything it's very kind of like how the japanese do just like it's highlighting the actual ingredients as yeah, they are as they are you know like yeah. in, in french in french food not to i mean i, I you know i not to poo poo french because it absolutely is tastes wonderful but a mm. lot of the techniques is because you're trying to manipulate a taste of some sorts right or enhancing a, a flavor right by yeah. putting yeah. a ton of fat or you know like or like purifying something you know that's what like like duck confit is basically like purified duck fat <laughs> you know and so hmm. yeah. yeah so it's kind of like it's like that to me like this is just like this is what squash is. The squat, the flavor of the squash is this, and it complements this thing. It's like the wild rice is this, and it complements these berries and that sort of thing. Or, you know, maple, maple syrup with squash. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like I kind of like. I really like food that doesn't try to. You know, it's trying to be like, like actual like, food. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing <laughs> else, really. You know? So it's not ultra-processed. Kind of like how way. the Mediterranean diet does, where it's yeah. trying to be 
real foods <laughs> with recognizable ingredients. Is this? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, that's the kind of like that's the kind of food that I think that that really, especially when it comes to like these native like these native um, ingredients. You know, from the Americas, and that it actually really, really tastes good if we just leave it alone, <laughs> you know, and All do right, minimal yeah. things to it. So, yeah. So, all in all, we enjoyed these recipes. We enjoyed, we enjoyed the native traditional foods very much, and we all believe that they should be a bigger thing in the American menu, I'm sure. Oh, very much so. I really want to go to a Native American restaurant. <laughs> like, I seriously, like, because... There is that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. And it's like, because as much as I try to make this food, you know, again, the recipe that I had was pretty, like, there was a lot of wiggle movement. You know, wiggle room. So it, you're wanting to taste it I cooked by someone who's grown up with it. Exactly, right? Like, you kind of want to, like, this is why, like, like chefs, aspire chefs travel to, like, France or to Italy or to, to, to China or whatever, Japan, right? To taste what the food to is really supposed to be. To taste what's supposed to be, what's a, what the base is. And I don't really have a base as, as a native, you know, like, what a Native American First Nations cuisine is supposed to taste like, right? I'm sort of... I was guessing during the whole entire time <laughs> I was making this. So, so, so at some point, I I, I know, I, I I know there is a a restaurant out here that does this. So at some point, we'll have to save up so we can all go to that one restaurant. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> indeed. Yes, I'm so, so game for that. Restaurant goals. <laughs> but yeah. we have. A new challenge lined up for our next episode. Yes. So, let's dive into that. Hold on, With... one second. Oh. Did you just lose signal from your computer? Yes. Okay, <laughs> it's back. So we have a new challenge. So, Angela, what's our new challenge? All right. Well, since the holidays are getting underway, there are going to be more and more potlucks popping up left and right. Yes. Uh... And with every potluck, you, you kind of feel bad if you don't bring something. And so we are challenging ourselves to find a new potluck recipe of a holiday-themed recipe that we have never seen at any potluck table before. Yes. So. So this is Since going we to... live in Minnesota, no green bean casserole. <laughs> no tater tot no, hot no dish. No tater tot hot dishes. Right. No, no green bean casserole. No funeral potatoes. The, yeah, fil Filipinos, right? No, no, no pancit. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Right? Rice isn't gonna, you know, no, no steamed rice. That's just cheating. That is just cheating. <laughs> That's just cheating. But, yeah. so. so this, this has got to be a dish that, that uh, is going like it's got to be something that. It's enough to bring to a potluck. If you can bring it to a potluck for reals, bonus points. If you can't, it's got to be something that you're going to be able to stick into a freezer to eat for later because nobody wants potluck leftovers to go bad. Exactly. And who doesn't like left potluck leftovers? 
I like pile on leftovers <laughs> because that means I don't really have to cook. And I don't mind eating turkey this, turkey that either. So, so it'll be good. <laughs> say, I mean, if you like it just as it is and wouldn't mind eating it for a week solid, all for it. All, all the better for you. But yes. yeah, bonus points if you have a potluck to bring it to. Uh, not that we actually give points or anything. But that is going to be our next challenge. <laughs> that is going to be our next challenge. Yay. I think that's it for this episode. That That is everything we've got for covering. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Again, my name is Angela. You can find me on... Whoa, excuse nope, me. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Sorry, that, that is the call of my people. Uh, I am still on X, Twitter, whatever. Uh, at Pleasant Doom, but you can also find me on Blue Sky at Pleasant Doom, or yeah, however that long thing is. But yes. Pleasant Doom is still the username. Yep. Pam, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make mine quick because I am getting cut in and out. My name is Pam. You could find me on Instagram at Panda Cat Dragon. I'm also uh, you could reach out to me at uh, the Facebook page Legend Creators, where you could check this podcast out along with. Filipino-American podcast me and Edwin hosts called Hala Hala Hangout. Check it out. And you can find me and DIY Edwin on Instagram. I post all my fun photo adventures there and I'm using Instagram links like Instagram is supposed to be back in the day. Um, You can also find me at Blue Sky at at DIY Edwin on there. I am no longer on X. (laughs) No longer on X. So don't try to find me there. You can, uh, you can also email us. You can also email us at dungeondiners at gmail.com. That's dungeons dimer, d- diners at gmail.com. I um, definitely would love to hear from you guys. And also, we have new listeners apparently. <laughs> Welcome. Um, a couple of people at my work is now listening, <laughs> which is weird. I can't say anything bad about work anymore. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, thanks again, everybody, for listening to Dungeons. And dorks! Bye! Bye! Leggy, leggy, leggy. Bye!